0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks Podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name's Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting. Managing all of my teams 365 days a year, so do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode 116. We are finally here. We're going to talk about week number 13. Can you believe we made it? We have completed the fantasy regular season, assuming the Monday and Tuesday night games get played. Week 13 is always brutal if you're one of those teams that's on the playoff bubble and it's like a walk in the park if you're one of those teams that already has your seating sewed up or you've got your bye week sewed up. I know for me, my teams were a mix of both this week. I was already eliminated from the playoffs in one of my leagues. I secured a playoffs spot in five of my leagues. And then I was on the bubble in two of my leagues. So week 13 is stressful for my bubble teams. I lost one already on Sunday and the other is hanging in the balance based on what happens on Monday and Tuesday nights. So like I say, every, every week though, Win or lose, it is a joy to watch football all weekend to cheer on all of our dynasty teams. And so after following all the games this week, I'm going to give you some of my thoughts of what I've learned from week number 13 and its impact on our dynasty teams. Uh, First, I'll come up with five observations. We'll talk a little bit about the waiver wire and some injuries. Thankfully, there wasn't a lot of injuries this week. And then uh, though there are trades that are trade deadlines have gone in most of my leagues, there's still a few where the trades are open. So I've got a few trades to assess as well. Let's talk, though. First, overall observations. First one I will call surprise knockouts. Uh, One of my bubble teams started the day with a 60% chance, like you like when you can look at those websites and you've got your percentage chance to win. But man, those odds radically shifted against me after Baker Mayfield threw for 290 yards and four touchdowns in the first half. Two weeks ago, I wrote about how Dynasty managers couldn't trust uh, the Browns' passing game since they ran the ball so much and Mayfield isn't fantasy efficient like Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers can be with few passing yards and attempts. Um, but when I saw Mayfield was in the starting as the opponent, my opponent's quarterback, I didn't fear. <laughs> but this high scoring performance, the highest of his year, in week 13 knocked me out of the playoffs. Mayfield and the Browns passing game are still really unreliable, but they were a painful surprise, what I call a surprise knockout for me in one of my leagues. On the opposite end, I'm thankful that uh, I benefited from a similar surprise player in Kirk Cousins, though he actually has been playing well the last few weeks. I'm pretty sure that my opponent saw him in my lineup and didn't feel particularly threatened by Cousin. He felt pretty happy about how he was playing, how my quarterback was playing, until two minutes left in the third quarter when Cousins got hot and then threw for three touchdowns in the bulk of his 304 yards over the next 15 minutes of play. He racked up all his points in one quarter of gameplay, and carried my team into the playoffs and possibly a first round bye, depending on what happens on Monday and Tuesday's games. Difference there. Whereas Mayfield and Brown's passing game can't be relied upon in fantasy lineups, I think that Cousins can going forward. In the last four games, the Vikings have attempted thirty between thirty and forty five passes. They're become one of the more balanced. They're becoming more balanced and using their two great wide receivers, Adam Thielen and Justin Jackson, who uh, Justin Jefferson rather. Um, who can be safely started in fantasy lineups every single week. Everyone who has those two guys has put them in their lineups every week. And so if you've got two starting receivers that are no-brainer decisions, you know they're going to help the quarterback. I'm not sure, if this case, if Cousins is helping them. I think it's probably more likely, actually, that they're helping Cousins. So I think that my Cousins-led team can really compete in the playoffs next week, while my league mates, Mayfield-led team, I don't think that he'll advance back <laughs> past this first week of the playoffs two surprising quarterbacks. Uh, One was a complete downer. If you had to play against him this week, or really they both could be downers. You're either happy that you had them or sad that you played against them. Next overall observation I'll call better late than never, better late than never. Uh, Don't look now, but David Montgomery has become a very reliable, productive running back as he nears the end of his second season. Uh, The Bears have one of the easiest schedules against running backs in fantasy playoffs too. So he's given their managers hope to ride his back. Um, right on his back in the playoffs he's had his best two games of the season in back-to-back weeks and has been looking great doing it his first touchdown run on Sunday really looked awesome it was kind of like a Nick Chubb type of run with a kind of balance burst to break tackles and get around the corner to score like he did since his um, mediocre rookie year the argument for starting Montgomery has been because of his volume that he'd receive like that's the only reason people were starting him because they knew that he'd get all the touches particularly after Tariq Cohen went down But after watching in the last two weeks, I think there's another argument, and that argument says talented. Montgomery has, for me, he was a distant third in my rookie running back rankings that year in 2019, behind Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders. But I'm willing to change my opinion about him if he continues to look like he has the last two weeks. Then another player, like Montgomery, another player has started living up to his draft capital, and that's Cam Akers. Uh, He's taken the lead role in Los Angeles the previous two weeks and had his first of his career, his first 20 carry. Uh, game of his career at 21 carries like Montgomery Akers was my third ranked running back in the 2020 class so both of them were th- third ranked rookies but that class had far more depth than Montgomery's class did so unlike other analysts I actually had anchors ranked ahead of Clyde edwards helaire and DeAndre Swift and just behind Jonathan Taylor and J.K. Dobbins all five of these rookie running backs have shown spurts of greatness this season Akers is just the last to do so it's a really good class it's just taking this whole class Longer than usual become fantasy superstars, but I think when healthy right now, all of them are pretty safe RB2s in our fantasy lineups. Hopefully the future is even brighter as we wait to see which of them really becomes a superstar, if not all of them. Third thing that I learned, I'm going to call this earning roles. Earning roles. It's late in the season, but two wide receivers can make the case for more playing time and, and better roles on their teams in 2021. Colin Johnson was the leading receiver for the Jaguars for a second week in a row and scored a touchdown for the second week in a row. Unlike last week, Jacksonville's veteran wide receivers, DJ Chark and Chris Conley, were active. Even so, Johnson out, outplayed them both. Chris Conley and Keenan Cole, uh, Keelan Cole, are free agents after this year, and DJ Chark has one more a year, but that's on his rookie contract. I think Jacksonville's rookies, Colin Johnson and Liliska Chenault, uh, the only two players with touchdowns on Sunday, they could actually both start in wide receivers. Three wide receiver sets next year, with Johnson starring, uh, starting on the wide side of the field opposite Chark and Chenault playing in the salt and in, in the slots position. Uh, best of all, Trevor Lawrence or maybe Justin Fields is going to be their quarterback, so they will have a new quarterback in Jacksonville. And kind of like Johnson, then there's also Kiki Kuti, who's made the most of his increased playing time the last two weeks. Kuti was Houston's leading uh, receiver on Sunday as well. His first start uh, since Will Fuller was suspended by the NFL for the PED violations uh, last year was supposed to be the breakout year for Kuti. I remember drafting him uh, early in some of my startup drafts just a, just a, over a year ago. But he was off of most dynasty rosters by the end of last season. And that's why I p- picked him up in the waiver in many of my leagues and mentioned him as my top pros- prospect uh, two weeks ago to pick up off the waiver wire. Houston's off-season trade with Brandon Cooks and then the f- free agent signing of Randall Cobb kept Kuti buried on their depth chart even after Houston traded DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona. But now Fuller's suspension and Cobb's in- in- injury have given Kuti a few weeks to prove that he can become a starter, and in- in- at least in three wide receiver sets. Uh, Houston signed Cobb and Cooks to multi-year contracts, but Will Fuller is in a free agent after this season, and he was rumored to be traded. Uh, just before the trade deadline. So if Kuti plays as he did on Sunday, Houston could let Fuller go and spend their money elsewhere because they need a lot of money to be spent to get that team better. They could spend their money elsewhere and then really just rely on Cooks, Cobb and Kuti. Kuti could uh, uh, increase his chance of having a starting role based on how he finishes this season. Next overall observation I'll call dueling top prospects. Man in a season that has watered down tight ends. Um, they just become so watered down. I think there's finally some hope on the horizon with two giant men who played against each other actually on Sunday. That's T.J. Hawkinson and Cole Kment. Hawkinson was the first tight end taken in the 2019 draft, and he was my highest ranked tight end in rookie drafts. I had him as my number seven rookie overall that year. He's six five, two hundred forty out forty eight pounds. He's a giant, and now he's finally playing up to his size in recent weeks, and he's moved all the way up to be my number five ranked dynasty tight end. Uh, He's on pace for 850 yards and 815 yards and seven touchdowns this season, and he should only get better in the years to come. That usually takes two, three years before uh, tight ends hit their peak. Hawkinson's opponent on Sunday was also the first tight end drafted in his class in the 2020 class. That was Cole Kement. Chicago drafted Kement in the second round that year, uh, last year rather. Uh, He was not nearly as strong of a prospect as Hawkinson, but he was my second uh, tight end in my rookie rankings last year, ranked down at number 31 overall. But like Hawkinson, he's a huge man, 6'5", 258 pounds, and he played like it on Sunday. Comment passed Jimmy Graham in the depth chart in recent weeks, and he's running more routes than Graham. Uh, he had a season-high seven targets on Sunday and scored a second touchdown of the season. I think Kament has steadily moved up my dynasty rankings and now sits at number 21 ranked tight end. But this could change quite a bit if he continues to play as he did on Sunday. I suspect that he will. These uh, prototypical size tight ends really could become the next generation of superstar tight ends. And God knows that we need them for fantasy, for sure. Last overall observation, I will call spiraling number one and number two. (laughs) Number one and number two uh, picks. Man, it's tough to watch quarterbacks who were once thought to be top five or ten dynasty prospects fall into the night even in what should be the prime of their career based on their age the eagles 2016 second pick in the draft carson wentz was benched on sunday for a player they drafted in the second round four years later jalen hurts i don't believe that this is going to be a permanent move but it's not out of the question at the very least the eagles should see what they have in hurts in this season when they're out of the playoff race Um, unfortunately for the eagles wentz has signed through the 2024 season so it would cost them quite a bit to make a permanent change of quarterback, and then no team would be willing to trade for Wentz given his contract, let alone his play. So I think the odds are that Wentz will be the starter in Philadelphia next year, but man, he's played himself out of dynasty lineups, that's for sure. He's undoubtedly not droppable in superflex leagues, but he is in one quarterback leagues, definitely droppable. Similarly, uh, Jameis Winston's fate uh, was sealed on Sunday, I believe, when Taysom Hill finally proved that he could win a game for the Saints with his arm in addition to his legs. Uh, he was not spectacular, but I think he did enough. Um, I'm gonna I had been holding on to Winston shares for several on several of my teams, believing that he would be the Saints starter in 2021, even though he's only under a one year contract. But now that's not likely. Uh, this 2015 first pick of the draft has become droppable in Superflex and one quarterback leagues. Painful to say I finally got to move on from my boy Jameis Winston who I love to have on my teams. All right, let's talk about some injuries. Thankfully, there wasn't very much in week number 13. Uh, First one was Frank Gore. He was concussed early in the game, uh, giving way to Ty Johnson and Josh Adams, who combined for 178 yards and a touchdown. Believe it or not, I actually started Gore in two of my deep leagues this week because the matchup was so good. This was one of those instances when you say the process was right, but the result was not. Uh, Didn't work out favorably for me because Gore got injured on the first possession and was never back in the game. Johnson outtouched Adams, so I do think that he's the one to benefit if Gore cannot clear the concussion protocol this week, but the matchup in weeks to come will not be as desirable as it was last week in Oakland. More on Ty Johnson when I talk about the waiver wire. Only the second injury that I'll mention was Brandon Allen. He was concussed too late in the game. He gave way to Ryan Finley, at quarterback. I'm not sure that Finley makes the team any worse than Allen did, uh, but there are reasons that the coaches named Allen the starter ahead of Finley uh, when Burrow got injured, so maybe he is a little bit worse. Uh, he'll bring the entire offense down with him, uh, but they can't fall much further than they already had. Bengals players should not be in starting lineups for the rest of this year. Doesn't affect anyone's dynasty value, though. Let's talk waiver wire. Uh, as a reminder, I do play in real dynasty leagues, 27 to 30-man rosters, so the players that I'm going to mention here are for deep leagues. If you're not in a real dynasty league, they're certainly better players, but let's talk about some players that I'm going to think about adding in my leagues. First would be the aforementioned Ryan Finley. Um, as I said before, I don't believe that any Bengals player should be in starting lineups from now on. The only exception would be in super flex leagues. If a manager had several injured quarterbacks on their roster, then I would maybe seek to add Finley just to have a starting quarterback, uh, in a super flex position, but that's the worst case scenario. That's the only reason I would aim for him. One I'm more excited about though, is the second player I'll mention is Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, Johnson, uh, is getting a little bit more playing time in recent weeks and he could su- surpass Andy Isabella as the future wide receiver three uh, in Arizona. I really liked Johnson's college tape, and he was one of my most targeted players in the 2019 rookie drafts. However, his landing spot in Arizona left him buried in the depth chart behind guys with much higher draft capital that kind of just buried him. It didn't help when Arizona traded uh, DeAndre, for DeAndre Hopkins, and then Larry Fitzgerald decided not to retire last year. It just kept him buried on the depth chart, but he's finally starting to make his way back up. Fitzgerald's likely to retire opening away for the wide receiver three position there um, aside Hopkins and Kirk I'm not going to try to pick him up in every league but in leagues where I have depth or maybe an older wide receiver that uh, that never is ne- never going to get into my starting lineup someone like a Danny Amendola type you know that you just kind of have just in case in, in PPR leagues, someone that's an older wide receiver I'd definitely be willing to drop to pick up Keyshawn Johnson just to see what happens uh, there with a the younger receiver he's by far the best dynasty edition Um, on the waiver wire this week in my opinion next player I'll mention is Ty Johnson Uh, Johnson did have a couple of good games in his career uh, just like he did on Sunday but he's not been able to maintain on him you know remain on an NFL roster for more than parts of a season so he could have a few decent games to end this year so I'll consider picking him up in a very deep league where I just need a starting running back at all it's like my last position that I'd fill Um, but it would need to be the very last player in my starting lineup Uh, That said, I don't think I'm that desperate in any of my leagues. Hopefully you're not in yours either. One more that I'll just mention to get his name out there is Chad Hansen. Hansen was a late round sleeper in 2017 rookie drafts. Uh, He never did much with New York after the Jets drafted him in the fourth round. And then honestly, I didn't know that he was even in the NFL, let alone on the Texans roster, until I saw him catching uh, passes from Deshaun Watson on Sunday. I was like, oh, wow, he's back. I think that he'll have chances to play given Houston's wide receiver depth problems uh, but I'd only be willing to pick him up in the most def- desperate of situations. I don't think I'm going to try to make any claims for him this week, but I wanted to mention him here at least. Keyshawn Johnson is the true dynasty waiver pick that I might be looking toward this week. And finally, let's talk some trades. Uh, like, I, like I say, every week, and the thing about it I do when I talk about these trades in, in this podcast is I actually tell what the owners were thinking, because these are actual trades that took place in my league, so I can give you some insight into what the managers are thinking And so we are, of course, past the uh, trade deadline in many of my leagues. So this is going to be a shorter and shorter segment each week. But there were two trades that went down this week in my leagues. Uh, Interestingly enough, there were no draft picks involved. These were just player-for-player trades. First one was Austin Eckler for Ronald Jones. Uh, This took place in my 10-team standard league. And I really like the Eckler side of this trade, uh, no matter what the construct of each team. Uh, the team that acquired Eckler is in the playoff hunt, while the team that acquired Jones is not. It's a standard league, so that does bring Eckler's PPR side down, and you know, get it, knowing that you're going to lose that PPR upside is going to be less of a factor. But still, I currently have Eckler ranked as my number 13 running back overall compared to Jones' ranking of 21. Uh, the team that traded for Jones must sincerely believe that he'll get a, a second contract in Tampa Bay and hold off Leonard Fournette and Keyshawn Vaughn um, this, this year, he's done so, but I'm not sure that he's going to get a second contract, So, whereas the Chargers paid Eckler last year, giving him a deal through 2023. Both Eckler's play and his contract situation really make me like the Eckler side of this trade. Second trade that went down was Sterling Shepard, was traded for Mike Gasecki, and this trade took place in my 12-team, half PPR, tight end premium, that's important here, all flex league. And sadly, uh, I noted here this uh, this trade took place on last Sunday morning, so the day that Daniel Jones was injured. So I bet the guy who picked up Shepard was not too happy about that. Both teams are likely playoff bound, so they weren't just to, you know trying to you know secure themselves or rebuild or anything like that. Both teams are playoff bound, so really I think they just started negotiating and picking players that they thought were pretty evenly matched, and this was the trade that they came down with. I think overall it's fairly it's a pretty fair trade. But here's th- the, where it swings, in my opinion. I don't think that Gasecki has—he doesn't get enough volume to make him me like him more than Shepard, because who has a safe floor, even though it's tied in premium. It's tied in premium, meaning that we get a full PPR, you know, whether where the rest of this league is half PPR. Your tied in gets a full PPR, but Gasecki's just not targeted enough for that to make that big of a difference. Where I really like the Shepard side of this trade. Like I mentioned before, I traded for a 2021 third round pick for Shepard just a couple weeks ago because I was eager for what I consider to be a really safe, safe floor as the last rostered position in one of my playoff bound teams. Unfortunately, while Colt McCoy is starting for the Giants, Shepard's going to remain on my bench as he should for this owner. Uh, Even so, from a dynasty perspective, I like the Shepard side of this trade more than the Gusecki side of this trade. That's it. In a quick nutshell... Week number 13, I hope your teams made the playoffs and I hope you continue to listen, uh, even if your teams have not, because we're talking Dynasty and Dynasty Freaks. Check out their teams and follow them 365 days a year. Hopefully you made your playoffs. Look forward to uh, here's watching the games Monday and Tuesday night. I know I have a couple games hanging in the balance. It's going to be pretty fun uh, way to end these special bonus games that we get in a week 13 playoff bound week. That's a wrap this week, Freaky Friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support, and I want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at DynastyFreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin.